0: It's Tuesday. You know what that means. It's time for the best and brightest moment of your week. It's time for that show you love and that show that you seek. It's time for nonsense, 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 nonsense. nonsense. The show, the best damn show you know. The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Viewer discretion is advised. Under 17, not admitted without parents. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Nonsense the Show. As always, I will be your ringleader for this little audible circus. My name is Captain Nick. We're going to give it to you a little soulful tonight. Playing with a little tunage Might have a couple of full musical breaks Might only have some partial ones We'll see what Uncle Nick's Uncle Nick's? Captain Nick's attitude does <laughs> You can already hear the pre in my voice And I feel good about that Start the show off with a sip of rum For all you out there listening to nonsense Sending me nice messages And motivating this insecure old pirate To keep chasing his dreams I appreciate you This sip is for you Oh, that's right, ladies and gentlemen Feels real nice Feels real nice I was looking at my musical options for this evening I decided I'm going to start incorporating a little bit more music Because it makes me happy, it makes you happy And if they send me a cease and desist Well, hashtag pirate, I'm going to frame that shit and put it on the wall Alright, Green Onions, why don't you chill out a little bit You just tone it down Chill in the background for as long You got a little bit longer And then we'll pick a different song or something Take a breath, settle in Squiggle in your seat, just a minute It's nonsense, this show This is episode 2, 13 That's season 2, episode 13 And everybody's feeling real, real good about that 13 episodes in, we're starting to get into a groove We got a little hiccup last week We made up for it, though You had a show on Sunday uh, It's not Tuesday, but it's close <laughs> uh, Tonight's show Number 13, we'll see if it's lucky or unlucky. I don't know. You guys are going to have to tell me. We're going to do a little bit of talking about what's going on in my world since the last show. I'm going to give you guys a couple of little historical stories. I'm going to tell you um, a brief uh, story about what it was like to be a, 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 a working man on the docks of any city in America, particularly on the West Coast in the early 1900s. Late 1800s. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be shanghai That's not the same as being press ganged, but it's similar. We'll talk about that. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about a lost treasure. That's right. I've had more than one of you tell me you enjoy when I tell you about treasures. As a pirate, you know I support the hell out of that. So I am on board. What we're going to do is I'm going to tell you a little bit about a treasure uh, that's connected to Jurassic Park. And also connected to mysterious Nazis. I hope you're ready for that one. I'm going to tell you all about the incredible, the mysterious, the ever-valuable, the still-missing to this day, even though it has been reproduced. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you all about the Amber Room. Hope you're ready for that. It's not a strip club. No, no, no. It is a royal treasure. Uh, We're going to give you an entry into the Captain's Film Institute. I had planned to do one, but I think I'm going to change it up. I think we're going to do that on the fly tonight. I think we're going to do that on the fly. And then I'm going to present to you an opportunity um, related to the Captain's Film Institute. For those of you that uh, subscribe to Amazon Prime, um, well, let's just get into it. They have released a feature uh, called uh, Watch Party. And what that means is if you are an Amazon Prime member, and I am an Amazon Prime member, and 98 of our closest friends are also Amazon Prime members, and there's a movie on Amazon Prime that we decide we all want to watch together, we can arrange that we can all sit down we can log in we can watch this movie together at the same time we can send ourselves chat messages and have a good time so i'm thinking about starting a little uh, a little nonsense the show movie club for those of you that might be interested in joining it'll be a small group at first because we're 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 a tight-knit uh, crew here we're 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 not an expansive organization we're all about quality not quantity thus far with our listener base and those of you that are here now you will not be forgotten You are the plank holders of Nonsense the Show Season 2. You're the ones keeping this show on the air, keeping my dreams alive, and uh, that's something I very much appreciate. Speaking of keeping my dreams alive, let's go ahead and just plug the sponsor of today's show. And really bad, eh? Aussies, That's right, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of Nonsense The Show is brought to you by my dear and handsome friends over at Paso Wine Shine, based out of the Tin City Distillery in Paso Robles, California. They're awesome people, um, they're excellent kissers, tender snugglers, and they make really, really good booze. So check them out, you won't be sorry. Um, I'm scrolling through just to see if there's any, uh, any little Tinskis I want to put on in the background. Um, I don't, we're just going to wait. We're going to wait. We'll put one on later. We got plenty of time. Y'all we got plenty of time. I don't know how long this show is going to go, but I know it's going to go longer than it has. Um, so yeah, watch party. So my thought was, and and the reason I discovered this was because, um, I wanted to watch true lies earlier today. And I know that in recent years, it's been difficult to find a, a way to watch true lies because, They didn't have it streaming anywhere. So I had bought a copy of it a while back. I didn't feel like breaking out the DVD player. Uh, My Xbox broke, so I couldn't use that. And so I said, well, let me just go online and see if True Lies is streaming anywhere yet. And sure enough, ladies and gentlemen, I have excellent news for you. True Lies is now streaming on Amazon Prime. You don't have to pay extra. If you got Prime, you got True Lies. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Arnold, Jamie Lee Curtis. Come on. It's incredible. One of the best spy movies around, Bill Paxton has an incredibly memorable role. I think that very well might be next week's entry into the Captain's Film Institute. It won't be tonight's, though. So just disregard all that in regards to the CFI. So one of the things I was thinking about is it would be fun to get a couple of us together soon. I don't know about you guys, but I'm starved for social interaction. I tend to be a hermit. I tend to be a loner. I don't like being around people all that much. But even I am starting to feel severely the effects of the isolation. And, uh... And the quarantine stuff It's just It's getting to me hmm. I just want some tunes That's all I just want a little something In the background A little something To set the tone You know what I'm saying I got me a glass of rum In my hand I got my party lights going I got my front windows open So anybody driving by Can look at me Acting like a fool Dancing my happy fat ass off Um. So yeah So I'm, I'm as starved For social interaction As the rest of y'all And so I was thinking it would be fun to pick a night Settle in, watch a movie together We could talk about it And then we could talk about it on the show I'll tell y'all how it goes Maybe we could bring our friends in Expand the listener base Make our club a little bigger and a little cooler I don't know, it's a thought Tell me what you think Would you be interested in joining me Watching a cool movie on Amazon Prime From the comfort of your own home? Let me know Uh, In the old days, during the Chive period um, we had a group called the BAC The Bay Area Chivery, And then eventually um, I had my own spin off of that Called the Captain's Crew And uh, we used to often do things like that Where we would get a group of people together All around the world And we would just say Alright at whatever time we're going to hit play And then we're going to watch this movie together And however many people would jump in Would join And we would uh, We'd do movie quotes And we'd talk about our favorite scenes We'd all laugh and joke And it would just feel like we were all hanging out Through the magic of the internet so, it's just something that I thought might be fun. Let me know what you think. I'll put it up on the Instagram, too, at some point. So, uh, you know, because I think it would be cool if we had, like, a big group in there. Make new friends. Bring other people in. I don't know. Invite your friends in. Tell them I say, what's up? Um, all right. Hey, super bad. Chill. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so, that's Watch Party. Let me know what you think. Take a look at it yourself. Pick your favorite movies on Amazon Prime. I'll host a movie night. Provide your own popcorn and booze. Um, preferably buy it from Paso Wineshine. The sponsor's of the show. Shameless plug number 2. Um and I might even tell you a little bit about micronations tonight. I didn't do all the research I wanted to do. That's going to be a multi-part series, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. That's what I want to put on. All right, hang on. Let me just go ahead and change up some <clears throat> some situations here. Oh, no, here we go. Okay. Um so yeah, something soon here, I'm going to do a little bonus episode of Nonsense the show. It's not going to count in the official Um, the official episode count. But what it's going to be is it's going to be me living out my dream, trying at least to live out my dream of being a radio DJ. And so it'd be something like this. Here's, here's kind of like a taste of what we're doing. It's going to be a lot of me picking cool songs I like. Sometimes I'll set a theme. Sometimes I'll just pick a damn song. Um, Let's go with, how about this one? Ladies and gentlemen, coming up next on CPTN, Captain's Radio Hour, Dusty Springfield, Son of a Preacher Man. Billy Ray was a preacher's son, and when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. When they gathered round and started talking, Dusty Billy would take me a walk in to the backyard, we go walking. then he look into my eyes law knows the madness inside the only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man the only one who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man so and so ideally it would be something like this where i put the song on i let the song play sometimes it's oldies 90s sometimes it's uh, west coast 90s gangster rap sometimes it's going to be country that makes my heart feel mushy could be anything could be featuring some of you guys and your musical talents um and it would just be fun i think you know sit down do an hour's worth of music do little breaks in between um you know let's say uh sometimes ladies and gentlemen you've had a few drinks and you start thinking about those text messages your girl was getting last week you start feeling a little superstitious thank god we got somebody like stevie wonder to come in and set us straight so forget about your girl, for a little bit. Pour yourself a drink. You're hanging out with Captain Nick. Nothing else matters. Stevie Wonder. Tell him all about those superstitions. Very superstitious. Right on the wall. And we'd go through the whole freaking song. I don't know. Maybe I would do listener requests. Maybe I would do... Fun stories about the musical artists, histories of the songs in between. So soon, I'm gonna just play with that because I think that would be fun. I've always wanted to do it. I find myself doing it a lot, like while I'm driving in the car. I do radio intros for songs, Um, (laughs) and I have a good time with it. It's a lot of fun. I think I'm pretty good at it, so I'm gonna keep practicing. And uh, and then who knows? Maybe you guys will get a little taste of that soon. Um. All right. What's gonna be first here? What's gonna be first? I think we're going to do this way Okay Stevie, you're the man But you are not the background music we need For this particular Situation Put on a little sea shanty in the background Hope y'all are okay with that Make sure you can hear it Make sure you can still hear me Okay, levels are good Ladies and gentlemen, let me give you a little lesson in history. <clears throat> Imagine, if you would, it's the late 1800s, you've worked a long day, your family is loud, your house is chilly, you're living in San Francisco and you decide now to walk down to the Barbary Coast, which is of course the red light district in those days. You're going to go down to one of your favorite local taverns, you're going to sit down, you're going to have yourself a drink or two and forget all about your troubles for a little while amidst the singing and the backdrop of all the characters that happen to be in a portside bar. As you enjoy your drink, you start feeling a little lightheaded. The sauce is working, your troubles melt away, life feels good, if only for a little while. And then suddenly you realize that you're feeling a little drunker than you should for only having three drinks. Huh, that's odd. Normally I I handle my booze much better than this. And then the lights go out. When you awaken, you find yourself moving. What is going on? Am I still drunk? Why does it feel like I'm on a ship? Oh, well that's because you are on a ship The tavern keeper Drugged you And then their compatriots Dragged you out of that tavern Right down the dock Put you aboard a ship that set sail Before you awoke And now you are stuck Legally in service to that captain The wages you should have been paid To prepare yourself for that journey Went directly To the man who drugged you and soon enough, you find yourself across the Pacific Ocean working a difficult, dangerous, thankless job for a cruel master. And all you want to do is go home to your family. Tough shit, you've been shanghaied. Ladies and gentlemen, I had to do some looking on this because I I figured Shanghaiing would be somewhat of a racist, racist term these days. I didn't find any evidence pointing to that, so I'm going with it. Um. Originally, I was going to go with a story about press ganging. But as it turns out, shanghaiing and press ganging are not the same thing at all. Press ganging is the act of shanghaiing, but it occurs only within the ranks of the British Navy and and forcing men into service. That's press ganging or impressment. refers refers to the art of involuntarily forcing men to board your ships and work for you, often sailing to Shanghai or other Asian ports, um, against their will, typically by means of drugging, uh, outright knocking them over the head or other kinds of trickery. <clears throat> Shanghaiing or crimping is the practice of kidnapping people to serve as sailors by coercive techniques such as trickery, intimidation, or violence. Those engaged in this form of kidnapping were known as crimps. The related term press gang refers specifically to impressment practices in Great Britain's Royal Navy. The verb Shanghai joined the lexicon with crimping and sailor thieves in the 1850s, possibly because Shanghai was a common destination of the ships with abductive crews. The term has since expanded to mean kidnapped or induced to do something by means of fraud. Crimps, of course, flourished in port cities like London and Liverpool in England, and in San Francisco, Portland, Astoria, Seattle, Savannah, and Port Townsend in the United States. On the west coast of the U.S., Portland eventually surpassed San Francisco for Shanghai. I did not know that. On the east coast of the United States, New York easily led the way, followed by Boston, Philadelphia, and Baltimore. So this was a problem all over the world uh, in port cities, um, certainly for the focus of our show tonight um, in western ports. Um, The role of crimps and the spread of the practice of shanghaiing resulted from a combination of laws, economic conditions, and the shortage of experienced sailors in England and on the American West Coast in the mid-19th century. First, once an American sailor uh, signed on board a vessel for a voyage, it was illegal for him to leave the ship before the voyage's end. The penalty was imprisonment, the result of federal legislation enacted in 1790. Uh, eventually, this was mitigated by the Maguire Act in 1895 and the White Act of 1898, and finally abolished by the Siemens Act of 1915. <laughs> Siemens. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm 12. Some examples included uh, of these crimpers, and these are well-known people. Um, oh, nope, forgive me. I skipped a page. Uh, second, the practice was driven by a shortage of labor, particularly of skilled labor, um, with crews abandoning ships en masse on the West Coast, courtesy of the California Gold Rush. A healthy body on board a ship was a boon. So all of a sudden, these sailors found out they could leave this miserable, cold, terrible, brutal life at sea, and they could go chase for riches in the gold rush, and if that didn't work out, there were plenty of other opportunities to make your living, uh, in, in even in a, in a Wild West situation, which, which the gold rush, rush certainly was. Um, it was very dangerous. It was very risky. Um, there was very little uh, uh, guarantee of success, but it was still better in many cases than life aboard a ship. Life aboard a ship back then was not pleasant. Uh, finally, Shanghai was made possible by the existence of boarding masters, whose job was to find crews for ships. Boarding masters were paid by the body, and thus had a strong incentive to place as many seamen on ships as possible. There's that word again. <laughs> uh, the pay was called blood money, and was just one of the revenue streams available to these men. These factors set the stage for the crimp, a boarding master who uses trickery, intimidation, or violence to put a sailor on a ship. He needed to get paid. He needed to get men on these ships so a crimp would do whatever it took to make sure he filled his quotas, made his money, and got those ships filled. The most straightforward method for a crimp to Shanghai a sailor was to render him unconscious, forge his signature on the ship's articles, and pick up his blood money. This approach was widely used Uh, but there were more profitable methods. In some situations, the boarding master could receive the first two, three, or four months of wages for a man he shipped out. Imagine you get forced into labor and then you find out that the guy that put you there, tricked you, beat you, whatever, not only did he force you, screw your whole life up and force you over there, but now he gets your first four months of pay. Wow. Um... Sailors were able to get an advance against their pay for upcoming voyage, blah blah blah, to purchase clothes and equipment. Uh, but the advance wasn't paid directly to the sailor because he could simply abscond with the money. Instead, uh, those to whom money was owed could claim it directly from the ship's captain. You had to get on board the ship and into the captain's presence to get your money. They weren't going to give it to you in the tavern and t- you know trust you were going to show up the next day uh, to go on the voyage. Um, an enterprising crimp already dealing with a seaman <laughs> could supplement his income by supplying goods and services to the seaman <laughs> at an inflated price and collect the debt from a sailor's captain. Some crimps made as much as $9,500 per year in the 1850s. In 2019, that $9,500 would be worth about $270,000 per year. This was a very, very lucrative trade for some of these men. The crimps were well-positioned politically to protect their lucrative trade. The keepers of boarding houses for sailors supplied men on election day to go from one polling place to another, voting early and often for the candidate who would vote in their interest. In San Francisco, men such as Joseph Frenchy Franklin and George Lewis, longtime crimps, were elected to the California State Legislature, an ideal spot to assure that no legislation was passed that would have a negative impact on their business. These were like uh, you know like, like gold rush super packs. What they would do is they would take go to all these sailors' houses and they would gather up all the men and they would bring them to the polling places to vote for these specific candidates who would continue protecting the interest of these ship owners and, and the management. let's see So they had themselves protected. they made sure the legislature wasn't going to get them for a while. Some examples of people uh, that were elected to office included Jim Shanghai Kelly and Johnny Shanghai Chicken Divine. Shanghai Chicken. I wonder how he got that name. You imagine he must have tried to Shanghai somebody and then they, they overpowered him or scared him or something and people saw it, right? <laughs> and then for the rest of his days, he's Johnny Shanghai Chicken Divine uh, and Joseph Bunko Kelly of Portland. Stories of their ruthlessness are innumerable and some made it into print. I'm gonna have to look for some of those. Um, Another example of romanticized stories involves the birthday party Shanghai Kelly threw for himself in order to attract enough victims to man a notorious sailing ship named the Reefer and two other ships. So they've got three ships. They've got a little flotilla they they need to man. And this guy decides he's gonna throw himself a birthday party and invite a bunch of people, a bunch of sailors. Hey guys, come to my birthday party. I'll give you a bunch of booze. It'll be great. And then all of those men just get rounded up and shoved on board ships. I mean, that's got to be... I mean, depending on the size of the ships, you're talking about 100, 150, possibly a couple hundred men. Incredible. Demand for manpower to keep ships uh, sailing to Alaska and the Klondike kept uh, kept crimping a real danger into the early 20th century. But the practice was finally ended by a series of legislative reforms that spanned almost 50 years. 1872, they started... Uh, by basically requiring that you had to set, uh, sign on to a ship in the presence of a federal shipping commissioner. So it was a government agent. And you can only imagine that for a while there, there was a lot of paying those people off and bribery and other kinds of trickery to to make that work. Um, eventually, the adoption of steam-powered vessels is what settled it. Not having to haul sail, not having to manage those big wooden ships um, really freed up a lot of labor. The, 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 the ship owners didn't need as many men anymore. And so it was eventually a lot easier um, to go ahead and, uh, and outlaw it. So there you go. That's what it means to be shanghai And I've heard stories about some of these taverns who, you know, which were notorious for this, which would have trap doors in the floor or they would have tunnels. I know in Portland, I was just reading an article about the tunnels that are still there that were used for Shanghai'ing these guys. They would either knock them out or they would drug them or they would just feed them enough alcohol until they passed out. They would take them down through a cellar into a secret door through these tunnels and directly to the docks. Um so it's very dangerous to go out drinking. I mean you think it's rough going out drinking in a college town. Uh, a bunch of frat boys around waiting to get drunk. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Let me tell you. All right, let's take a look here. Oh, I know what I want. I know what we're going to do right now. Um this song is one of my favorites. We're just going to play this for a second. Let me catch my breath. And then I'm going to tell you all about the Amber Room. But for now, this is the first edition. Just dropped in. My condition, my condition was in. And I'm probably going to sing along. So tune in. I woke up this morning <laughs> with the sundown shining, shining in, in. I sound my mind in a brown paper bag. But then. Dripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high I tore my mind through a jagged sky I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in Yeah, yeah, oh yeah What condition my condition was in I just love this song. Obviously, I found out about it through the, The Big Lebowski. I'm a fan. You may know that. Every time I hear it, it just it just makes me feel real chill. Makes me feel real cool. I feel like I need to be in some kind of like a rattle convertible driving slow down a main street while I listen to this. You know? Other that are doing a lot of drugs and sitting in a tie-dye room. <laughs> All right, changing pace just a little bit. We're gonna need a little Russian folk music. I don't know which one we're gonna need. Let's see. I don't know. I don't know Russian folk music So I'm, I'm just picking at random <laughs> I should have just used the Tetris theme Ah, here it goes Okay, well Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that <laughs> <We're> not. <laughs> There is no way that's gonna work Wrong No, I'm, I'm right I'm right, it's not gonna work It's not Thank you. That's the end of that. Okay, here's the deal. You guys have told me before that you enjoy when I do editions of the Lost Treasure series. That's one of the the few segments that people actually tell me specifically that they like. Unprompted. (laughs) So, I did a little looking, and I've been finding some really fun treasure stories for you. This is an interesting one, which ties Russia, uh, Germany some Nazis and a Jurassic Park together. Um, <clears throat> imagine if you will, that you are the curator of a Nazi correction, a Russian art collection. It's a Royal art collection. It's housed in a palace. It's one of the most valuable and incredible artifacts in the history of your country. You are responsible for it. And you have just received word in 1943 that Hitler has unleashed his, his dogs, on your city. The Nazis are coming, and they are known for looting everything and killing everybody in their path. The Nazis uh, are prolific treasure thieves. And you can't just load this particular treasure onto a truck, because it's an entire room made of amber. Amber. A gift to Peter the Great in 1716, celebrating peace between Russia and Prussia, the room's fate became anything but peaceful. Nazis looted it during World War II, and in the final months of the war, the amber panels, which had been packed away in crates, disappeared. A replica was completed in 2003, but the contents of the original, dubbed the Eighth Wonder of the World, have remained missing for decades. The Amber Room was an incredible Room made of amber and gold and jewels and incredible, incredible worksmanship. And and, I mean, it's something that even now would be breathtaking, but can you imagine in the early 1700s what it would be like to see something of this magnitude? Construction of the Amber Room began in 1701. It was originally installed at Charlottenburg Palace, home of Friedrich I, the first king of Prussia. Truly an international collaboration, the room was designed by a German Baroque sculptor, Andreas Schluter, and constructed by the Danish amber craftsman Gottfried Wolfram. Peter the Great himself admired the room on a visit, and in 1716, the king of Prussia, then Frederick William I, presented it to Peter as a gift, cementing a Prussian-Russian alliance against Sweden. Imagine, if you would, meeting your neighbor, and deciding you want to be friends, your neighbor admires the most beautiful, expensive room in your house, and you say, I really want to be friends with that guy. I'm just going to give him the whole fucking room. <laughs> because that's what happened. Wow, this is a great room. Cool, you can have it. The Amber Room was shipped to Russia in 18 large boxes and installed in the Winter House in St. Petersburg Saint Petersburg, rather, as part of a European art collection. After other 18th century renovations, the room covered about 180 square feet, that's bigger than my old tiny house by by quite a margin, and glowed with six tons of amber and other semi-precious stones. The amber panels were backed with gold leaf, and historians estimate that at the time, the room was worth $142 million. Over time, the Amber Room was used as a private meditation chamber for, for Tsarina Elizabeth, a gathering room for Catherine the Great, who you may remember I recommended a show on Hulu about her last episode called The Great. Highly recommend it. It's all about Catherine the Great. Uh, it's a satire, a comedic drama, as it were, uh, Catherine the Great acclimating to life in uh, Peter the Great's son's court. Um, It was a gathering room for Catherine the Great and a trophy space for amber connoisseur Alexander II. A lot of royalty been in that room. Uh, On June 22, 1941, Adolf Hitler initiated Operation Barbarossa, which launched three million German soldiers into the Soviet Union. The invasion led to the looting of tens of thousands of art treasures, including the illustrious Amber Room, which the Nazis believed was made by Germans and most certainly made for germans as the forces moved into pushkin officials and curators of the catherine palace attempted to disassemble and hide the amber room when the dry amber began to crumble in their hands the the officials instead tried hiding the room behind thin wallpaper unfortunately the ruse did not fool the german soldiers who tore down the amber room within 36 hours packed it up into 27 crates and shipped it to konigsberg konigsberg germany present day kaliningrad um, it was held in the Königsberg Castle. The room was oh, here it is. The room was reinstalled in Königsberg's Kon- Castle Museum on the Baltic coast. The museum's director Alfred Rode uh, was an amber aficionado and studied the room's panel history while it was on display for the next two years. In late 1943, with the end of the war in sight, Rode was advised to dismantle the amber room and crate it away. In August of the following year. Allied bombing raids destroyed the city and turned the castle museum into ruins. And with that, the trail of the Amber Room was lost. I was watching a documentary earlier about the Konigsberg Castle Uh, at the time it was destroyed with the Amber Room present. Um, It was bombed all to hell by British RAF bombing raids. And then uh, the Soviets came through and and just started launching artillery into it for quite a while. Um, uh, with that, the Amber Room was lost. Yes, that's correct. Okay. It seems hard to believe that crates of several tons of amber could go missing. And many historians have tried to solve the mystery. The most basic theory is that the crates were destroyed by the bombings of 1944. Others believe that the amber is still in Kaliningrad. While some say it was loaded onto a ship and can be found somewhere at the bottom of the Baltic Sea. Um... In somewhere around the 50s or 60s, uh, the Russian, correction, the German uh, people, the German leaders, the government, made that entire castle complex, the ruins, off limits. And then eventually, after the war, and then eventually in the 50s or 60s, they just raised the whole thing to the ground and built a built a building on top of it. Um, So there's a lot of suspicion that the the, the Amber Room was still in the Castle Ruins and was tucked away. I'm sorry, it wasn't the Germans. It was the Soviets. Tucked away by the Soviets after the war um, for their own obvious glory and they're just keeping it secret. Who knows what the truth is? I sure don't. In 1997, a group of German art detectives got a tip that someone was trying to hawk a piece of the Amber Room. They raided the office of the seller's lawyer and found one of the room's mosaic panels in Bremen but the seller was the son of a deceased soldier and had no idea as to the panel's origin so his his dad got it from somewhere you know he he swiped it as his own little uh, uh his own little little personal souvenir i guess uh, one of the more extreme theories is that stalin actually had a second amber room and the germans stole a fake imagine that Another bizarre aspect of this story is of course the Amber Room curse because what kind of treasure story would it be if it didn't have a curse? Many people connected to the room have met untimely ends. Take and his wife for example who died of typhus while the KGB was investigating the room or General Gusev a Russian intelligence officer who died in a car crash after he talked to a journalist about the Amber Room or most disturbing of all Amber Room hunter and former German soldier George Stein, who in 1987 was murdered in a Bavarian forest. Now, I don't have any more information about the Amber Room curse than that paragraph, but just as I read it, it strikes me that people people loosely connected to the Amber Room have died, but those deaths don't seem entirely suspicious to me. I mean, the guy that died in the forest, maybe. He was murdered, it says, so I'm sure they have some evidence that he was shot or something. But uh yeah, very interesting. The history of the new Amber Room, at least, is known for sure. So this mystery, mystery does have at least one partial satisfying ending. I can tell you a little bit about the Amber Room as it exists today, the new one. The reconstruction began in nineteen seventy nine at Sarkoye Cello and was completed twenty-five years and eleven million dollars later. I'm trying to I'm trying to Connect that eleven million dollar figure to the one hundred and forty something, whatever it was, listed earlier. Let's see, one hundred and forty-two million listed as the value earlier. Now it says it took them eleven million dollars over twenty-five years. i to have to do a little more reading into that. I don't. That doesn't make sense to me. Dedicated by Russian pres- President Vladimir Putin and then German Chancellor Gerhard Schroeder, the new room marked the three hundred year anniversary of Saint Peter's Saint. M- You can tell I'm getting tired. (laughs) 300-year anniversary of St. Petersburg and a unifying ceremony that echoed the peaceful sentiment behind the original. Sip a rum for getting a little tired. The room remains on display to the public at the Sarkoye-Celo State Museum Reserve outside of St. Petersburg. I thought I had more in here about the rebuilding. Essentially, what they did was Over the course of 25 years, they studied detailed drawings, detailed photographs, detailed plans of the Amber Room, and they created it as closely as they possibly could. To my knowledge, it is a near one-to-one replica of the Amber Room as it was last documented. Now, recently, and by recently, I mean last year, a group of Polish divers diving in the area um, of the battle as the Germans were trying to evacuate all of their valuables and their soldiers and their their stuff. Um, They had a ship-based evacuation of several hundred ships. Many were sunk. And one of the prevailing theories about the Amber Room is that um, it went down with those ships. These divers were able to locate one of these ships with uh, a lot of its cargo still intact, including many, many crates, several tons worth of crates that they have not gone into. So excavation work is beginning in that area on that ship, and there is hope that it will provide some clues as to where the Amber Room may be. What do you think about that? The fucking Amber Room. I mean, imagine a room made of amber. You've all seen Jurassic Park. You know what fucking amber looks like. The entire room is made of that. It's got gold behind it to make it shimmer. There are jewels. It's, it's I mean, picture Versailles, right? It's, it's kind of one of those styles of rooms. You can, you can uh, look up the Amber Room and get some good videos of it, figure out what's going on there. Um, hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So here's what we're going to do next week. I'm finally going to tell you about micro nations. I'm going to talk to you about a couple of examples of prominent micro nations. I'm going to tell you some of the things you need to do. If you ever want to start your own micro nation, I'm going to tell you why you might want to do that. And if not, you're going to be entertained by the weirdos like me who are fascinated with micro nations. Um, Oh, Captain's Film Institute. Let's do a quick Captain's Film Institute. Okay. Um, I was going to tell you all about The Animated Adventures of Tin. It's a Steven Spielberg movie from 2011, I guess. But it's it, it deserves me doing it a little more justice than pulling shit out of my ass on the fly. So I am instead going to tell you about... I've got it. I've fucking got it. You guys are going to be so thrilled with this. Let me tell you. Let's see here. Where is it? Just bear with me for a second. I promise you. There it is. There it is. Okay. I am going to, let's pick a song here. I don't actually think any of these are going to be super obvious, but. Hmm. Okay, screw it. Screw the music. The music's just off tonight. I'm going to do a music show this week, though. It's going to be on point. I'm going to put some work into it. I promise it's going to be dope. Um, Okay. Captain's Film Institute, entry number three. It's not going to be ten ten. CFI number three, making my notes here just so I don't forget, is going to be the incredible early 90s uh theatrical disaster starring steve buscemi adam sandler and of course the one and only brendan frazier as a terrible terrible band of losers when i say band i mean band rock and roll early 90s style they're called the lone rangers they are uh, a bunch of fuck-ups And they decide in order to get their single played on the radio so that music agents can hear it. And they will finally strike it big, unlike those douchey gods of thunder jackasses. You'll know if you've seen the movie. What they end up doing is they end up invading a radio station their local rock and roll radio station. Um, they invade it with toy guns that looked real because back in the early 90s, they made like squirt guns, electric squirt guns that were Uzis that had no orange. They were just looked like real Uzis. So they go in, but they load these things with uh, hot sauce because that'll sting your eyes if you get shot with it. They take the radio station hostage. It turns into a big freaking deal. It's a crazy movie. They do a lot of wild stuff. And uh, it's one of those movies that, it's, it's by no means is it a good movie. Like anybody that looks at it with a critical eye is going to go, this is this is crappy. Like what the fuck? But if you just want to have a fun movie-going experience, which is what most of the Captain's Film Institute films will be, it's just movies that are fun to watch with quotable lines and cool music and neat characters and whatever. They're, you know, movies that I watch, you know, and will re mm, will rewatch. There you go. Words are hard. Um. So check out Airheads. It's well worth your time. Adam Sandler is fucking hilarious as Pip. Steve Buscemi as kind of like a grungy, doesn't give a fuck rock and roll dude is really fun. Brendan Fraser as a long-haired dummy called Jazz trying to impress his bitchy girlfriend in in fucking Los Angeles. Um, The radio station people are hilarious. Um, It's just a great one. It's real fun. You're going to like it. Check it out. Airheads. Um, I don't know if it's anywhere streaming. Maybe it's on Stars. Google it. You'll find it. I'm not going to Google it for you. I'm not going to do that. Because you know what? I don't fucking want to. That's why. I just don't want to. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Nonsense The Show. My name is Captain Nick. I'm grateful for your loyalty. I'm grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for your, for your kind words. I will see you next week. And uh, stay tuned for CBTN radio hour coming up uh, before next episode. Okay, fuck off. Love you. Bye. Tune in tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. Yeah, but, but not tomorrow, though. It's next week. It's not tomorrow. But other than that, same bad time, same bad channel next week. Okay? Okay. Bye. Well, I guess this is it, old pal. It sure is. What? The end. Ooh. Uh, I'm here.